Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe, Episode 25. The reality between life and death is in the breath. It's time to reverse the imbalances in your life as you take the first step on your own journey towards personal change. Welcome to Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe, educating, empowering, and inspiring individuals to live healthier. Now here are your hosts and your guides to natural living, Jamal and Kim. Hi, Kim and Jamal here, and welcome to another episode of Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe Podcast. We have another great interview for you this week. Today, we are joined by Ayo Handy. Kendi, Ayo, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Kimberly. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. How are you? I'm thankful and blessed. And Brother Jamal, glad to speak to you, too. Yeah, greetings, greetings. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Definitely. And uh, before we dive into the interview, what we like to do is share a little bit about you and some of the amazing work that you're doing. Ayo Handy Kendi, known as the Breath Seku, is a certified breathologist, laughter yoga teacher, Reiki master, and passionate student and master teacher of the breath since 1970. She has used breath techniques to personally overcome many adversities and has breathed with millions on radio, TV, and print, on stage, and in private practice. She is the founder of Optimum Life Breathology, Transcendent Breathwork, Black Love Day, which is on February 13th, founder, director of African American Holiday Association, and CEO of Positive Energy Works, LLC. She is an author, speaker, storyteller whose focus on culture and holistic health is embodied in her power of the breath and keepers of the culture series of books, plays, DVDs, and CDs. As a sound healer composer, she performs with her husband featured as Earth Love Tune-Up Crew. She also hosts the Staging Baby Boomer Show on Inner Light Radio. Using her broad experiences as a degreed counselor and community organizer, she empowers others with her positive energy and breath movement concepts. Yeah, that is, uh, that's excellent. Yes. And, uh, uh, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, I guess. Um, you know, you, you, you listen to your bio and you think about, gee, I work hard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's been a 40-year journey yeah. or more of working in the community. And I'm ever so thankful that along that path, uh, the creator gave me the awesome tool of the power of the breath. So mm-hmm. I, I'm just really thankful yeah. to be here today to, to share. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy to have you here yeah, because, well. uh, you know, we get a chance to talk about, I would say, it is the the biggest and you know my most favorite thing to do in the world, and that's to breathe. You know, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so um, you know, in our society, we don't get a chance to unfortunately talk about the most important thing uh, right. in, in your life and in, in using that. So uh, I think this is going to be a great show. And, uh, you know, before we dive like, you know, s- deeply into, uh, you know, 
breathology and the science of the breath. Um, there's a lot of people on our show uh, that's listening that uh, this is their first time being introduced to, to you and the amazing work that you're doing. So uh, why don't you uh, tell us about your personal journey? Who is Ayo and how did you mm-hmm. become an advocate of the breath and helping people on their journey of health and wellness? Okay, let's see how to say that in a, in a, in a, a shorter period of time to not um, really take people uh, and take the whole show because it, it's, it's kind of an intense journey. Yeah. Um, I, I actually got acquainted with um, uh, the concept of using breath as a healing tool way back there in 1970. Uh, mm-hmm. I studied transcendental meditation and um, I saw the use of the breath uh, to go into these deep, calming, relaxing states. And I continued to study things like Qigong and Shiatsu, got several certificates. Um, I also was in school at that time as a counselor. I had traveled overseas uh, around about uh, 1969 to 1970, just coming out of high school. And um, I probably got actually turned on to drinking and drugging mm-hmm. and uh, overseas with my uh, in my Vietnam experience with my uh, my high school sweetheart I married mm-hmm. uh, upon returning and going back to school and taking um, concepts like meditation and and the energy balancing work uh, the breathing concepts, uh, was something that I did, but also I also I drank and I drugged. Mm-hmm. I did them both, you know. And um, I often ask myself, you know, about holistic health and the importance of the way of life that you've chosen as a ve- as a as a vegetarian and uh, a person attempted to be conscious uh you know was changing my name at that time to an african name mm-hmm. uh, i meaning joy and you know wanting to give joy to the world and was working in community based organizations uh learning about culture but you know the 70s was the time when we were also gaining in consciousness but we were gaining in consciousness and some of that was for me through the experimentation of drinking and drugging and some of it was also a need uh there were times when i would be getting high and i would say to myself you know you you you're teaching youth at a, you know, after school program and telling them, you know, how drugs can be dangerous and what have you. But yet you are showing up in your own home and and you're doing the very same things you're telling them not to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed a lot of times I was holding my breath. Uh, I noticed often I felt numb and detached and at times even somewhat low and depressed. And even though I was studying concepts about breathing, I did not quite understand why I always felt so much, I mean, I mean, totally exhilarated when I was high, extremely creative. 
But then I would go to these other periods where I was like, uh, say even years, I would go to these other periods where I wouldn't touch anything and, and, and I would just, um, maybe do meditation or I would attempt to do other holistic practices. Well, this kind of yo-yo in my life of, uh, went along for close to 15 years. Uh, of course, the husband who I was attracted to as my high school sweetheart, uh, his drinking and drugging turned into a very serious um, addiction to uh, heroin. And he, oftentimes he would be in a room uh, shooting, shooting up, actually. Mm. I did not know this for a number of years. Um, he managed his government job, but at the same time, he was living a double life. And I was living a double life. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, I started a um, community newspaper after um, several years in which I just really had to make a decision about was I going to continue to work at these community organizations, um, uh, stay in this marriage that became very challenging for me uh, because I felt that uh, as long as I stayed with this this wonderful, he was really a good friend, uh, but as long as I stayed with him, it seemed like I was always falling back into our, our little pastime. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, we decided to give birth, and I stopped drinking and drugging. Mm-hmm. Uh Finished one degree, uh, went back to school two years later, uh, finished that degree, and in both of those pregnancies, didn't drink and drug. But um, when I, after my second child, there was a part of me that really, really noticed that I couldn't continue with the, with the lie I was living. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left the. The last, I, I think I was fired from the last job because we lost uh, funding. And um, I started a community newspaper. And by then, my husband and I decided to split up. And for 13 years after that, we co-parented our sons. Uh, we had this amazing kind of uh, Bonnie and Clyde relationship. <laughs> and he was not only still drinking and drugging, but dealing. And, you know, I helped bail him out of different situations. And um, that path for me was some um, just crazy, crazy years. I produced a lot. But at the same time, in the production of the work I was doing, I was asked to come on radio. I was asked to come on TV. Uh, I was written up in publications uh, because we were some of the earlier forerunners of Kwanzaa through an organization that the newsletter then became an event and the event became a, a, a nonprofit organization. And through that evolution, um, we were for, we were some of the forerunners of uh, Kwanzaa, and um, and we started talking about the stresses and traumas in every single holiday as it yeah. relates to people of African American descent. Mm-hmm. Um, this novel idea carried me into the eighties, and by now. Um, I'm just really, really struggling with myself. I'm really struggling with this identity where I would go on a show, talk about all these cultural concepts. The newspaper talked about holistic health and healing. And then I'd be in the back room snorting some cocaine. Wow. 
Well, um, you know, finally, I, I, I saw that I couldn't stand myself. I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, by that time, I'm like 15 years into a, a, a druggy and drinking history. And in the last two years of this history, I become addicted to cocaine and alcohol. I called it my CNC, my Coke and Cognac. Mm. And at this time in Washington, D.C., where I'm born and raised from, um, this is an era in our community where lots of kids are being shot in the streets. Mm. There's fighting amongst young people over turfs. And um, for the uh, for all of the uh, cocaine that's coming to our community, and I'm raising these two boys in a very um, very somewhat inner city neighborhood is becoming gentrified. Mm. And so they start getting caught up in being able to serve uh, the young whites and the young blacks who are coming downtown to hang out, you know, a club. And uh, they have one foot in the church. They have one foot in the street. Uh, I'm now here single mother. I'm trying to, you know, pull them into, you know, really constructive activities. But at the same time, I'm dealing with myself. And I think one day I just fell on my knees as I saw myself in the mirror. Um, I had actually gotten a package of uh, cocaine. And by now, base cocaine is coming in and crack cocaine is coming in into mm-hmm. our communities, right? And um, I'm, I'm thinking I got a package that was powdered cocaine, but in actuality, it's an oil-based cocaine. And I'm determined I'm going to snort it. But instead, I have it, I'm cutting it, and I'm leaning on a, on a, a, a sort of a, a I guess, a, a, a sort of like a shelf. And, and as I push down on the shelf, the shelf just flips over and the cocaine falls in the uh, rug. And I had a cat, and it had cat hair all in the rug. And uh, I see myself in the mirror crawling through the dirty cat, haired love trying to scrape up this oil-based cocaine that she couldn't really even snort. Mm. So my throat was getting gummed up. And I saw myself in the mirror and I said, God, please, you have got to help me. You have got to take this taste out of my mouth. And I spent the next two years just reconstructing my life. I, I, I had a shift from all my friends. I developed a, a concept where um, I studied that if you clear your cells, then therefore the um, the um, the connection of the cellular goal is to, of course, uh, please the cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, addictions come from the cells demanding certain substances or uh, certain energy or certain behavior that the cells actually get used to mm-hmm. or programmed to. And I studied this concept and I said, well, you know, it makes sense if I just clear my cellular level, then, you know, I won't be addicted to this stuff. So I started this path that I still work with today, which was a concept called uh, Stop Smoking Naturally. And uh, I cleansed my cells. Um, I did bathing 
uh, hot baths with Epsom salt and uh, uh, just tremendous uh, relaxation techniques. I breathed. I um, shifted my friends. I shifted some of the places that I would go to to hang out with. And I just reprogrammed my cells and I reprogrammed my behavior. Mm. And uh, I stopped. I stopped uh, my addiction. Well, unfortunately, um, by now I'm, I'm divorced from my husband. Uh, I attract a second husband, uh, a second romance in my life, who then became my husband really quickly. And obviously I was not totally clear to my addiction mm. because he had left his area of the country, come to D.C., and he was actually running away from a raging uh, crack cocaine addiction. Unfortunately, in my attempting to uh, stop this relationship, because it got crazy as soon as we got married too quick, I got married within two months of meeting each other, Mm -hmm. and uh, I did not realize how poor his uh how poorly how 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 really sick he was and how poorly I had allowed another person into my life who had an addiction I recognize that what we need to heal we oftentimes are confronted mm-hmm. with that very energy mm-hmm. and so I accepted that obviously there was still some parts of me that uh, had a big strong desire to drink and drug well the best way I can express this next part of my journey is that I left D.C. trying to help save him. And we went to another part of uh, the country. And within a week of going there, um, he found someone else that he could hang out with and get high with. And one day I got that call that no mother ever wants to get. And I was told that I had to run back to D.C. because my 17-year-old son, he was three weeks until his 17th birthday, had uh, been hit over the head and left on his high school playground. And when I returned back home, my first husband and I had to make the decision to take him off of a breath machine Mm. or allow him to stay in this comatose state, which he did for five days. And as I watched him on the breathing machine, we were told that they could, the doctor said we could let him stay on this machine for as long as you want. Uh, but I said, no, he would not have life. And my son, Rashid, had a lot of life. And um, in 17 years, he had done uh, amazing, amazing things. But I knew that I, I could not allow him to stay in that vegetative state. So um, we made the decision to give five of his body parts to others. And uh, we speak today that he lives in five other people. Mm-hmm. But that first experience gave me an aha moment, a serious aha moment that the reality between life and death is in the breath. Mm-hmm. And that if you can breathe on your own, which is an automatic experience, that um, then you have full life. But when breathing is compromised in any way, then life is not full. It's not dynamic. He'd been on the machine, but he would not have had true, abundant life. Well, two years after Rashid passed, um, I was raging. I was angry. Um, we never found his uh, murderer. 
I was angry at the police. Uh, I was angry at uh, the second husband thinking had I not tried to leave D.C., you know, mm-hmm. my son might have been still with us. Mm-hmm. I was angry at everything. So I, I, I had kind of, st- I had stopped and s- drinking and drugging and I found myself uh, about to start back up again. Um, the second husband by then was like, he was guilt ridden. So he was just like really, really in a very terrible state. And, um, I lost, um, my, I lost my, um, first husband, Damani. Uh, we lost his parents within a month and a half of each other. Um, we went through a whole experience of, uh, all of us, you know, of us burying them and trying to hold on to their house. And that was a really, really challenging, um, experience of holding on their house. So eventually we became homeless. And in that process, I began to recognize that I was not angry at just circumstances. There had been an anger that had been happening in me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that it was the cause of me constantly holding my breath. Mm-hmm. I literally would find myself holding my breath sometimes so much that my head would hurt. Uh, I was almost um, feeling as if I wasn't connected to my body at all. So I went to a counselor and the counselor said, you know, have you ever thought that something happened to you when you were young? And I said, oh, no, I don't remember anything happening to me when I was young that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Except that I do know that me and my dad, um, my dad used to call me names and he used to talk about my color and he used to tease me. And I just, you know, just half time didn't pay my dad any attention. But I did notice as I got older that my dad and I really struggled with each other. Mm-hmm. And so he said, the counselor said, have you ever thought your dad had done anything to you? And I said, no, I never think about that. Well, I was led to go to a workshop on um, transformational breathing Mm -hmm. uh, offered by the Institute of Breath. Uh, And this workshop Within five minutes of the breathing technique, I started crying, tears streamed down my eyes, and I felt more alive than I had felt in years, except when I was drinking or drugging. Mm. And within that year, my dad started dying of brain cancer. I had a second experience of having to be part of the decision-making with my family to take my dad off of a breath machine. And I had that second aha moment. Again, about the breath being the determinant between full life and a stagnated life. And in letting my dad go, there was so much anger that I could barely see straight. Mm. The breathing techniques began to help me to unravel. Shortly um, before my dad actually passed away, that uh, I had actually been abused by my dad. Mm -hmm. And that I had stuffed this pain, this trauma, this love for him, yet anger for him, so deeply into my cellular level 
so that I could probably cope from age 8 to perhaps around about age 14. That the only way I could have coped with the inappropriate touching and the inappropriate sexual advances and um, the way in which my dad really did verbally abuse me, yet seemed to want me. Mm. The only way I could deal with that was to have, was for myself, not me on a conscious level, but on a cellular level, the subconscious memory submerged and distanced my mental response to that abuse. And in the breathing sessions when the reality opened through my cellular uh, release, I remember kicking, screaming, yelling, shouting, fighting with my dad, um, and opened up to the reality of why I'd had all these crazy uh, relationships with both my husbands. Uh, sometimes they would come to me in the middle of the night, and I'd be hitting at them, and they would say, what's wrong with you, girl? Mm. And I didn't know. I didn't know. And how the drinking and drugging was actually a way of coping. I began to study that depression comes in many forms and that depression can sometimes and oftentimes is a part of an abused person's experience that then they act out by drinking and drugging because in their Anger against the abuser, they turn that anger instead mm. onto themselves. Mm. And people would say, girl, you know, getting high with you, you sitting there analyzing why you're getting high. <laughs> you, you, you know better. <laughs> you, mm. you should be doing all of this. I said, yeah, because I knew that it was something else going on with me. I had a lot of fun in those days, I have to admit. But I also knew that those dark days and those trying times, I knew that there was something else going on with me because I truly did not like those trying times. And I had a whole lot more of those trying times, I think, in retrospect, than I had a lot of those fun, good times. Mm -hmm. And so I began to um, say to myself that we need a breath movement. The people like me who've been abused... Uh, the research began to become, it's like revealed to me. It was just like falling out of uh, research books that, that six out of ten people who did substance abuse had been abused when they were a child. Mm. And I began to devote myself more to the study of the breath. And as I felt better, I kept saying, hey, look, I'm going to start a breath movement. I'm going to start. The breath move. This stuff is really this is the simplest thing right here. Our breathing, mm -hmm. and and it was shifting and changing me so quickly that um, for the next maybe two years, that's what I did. I, I got rid of that second husband, sent him back home to face his demons. Uh, even though we lost the house, moved in with you know family members, but I just kept breathing. I had managed now domestic violence. I mean, my second husband dragged me in the street. Mm. I had been homeless. Um, I had lost family members. I lost an amazing house that you know it was. It was people were stealing our house. I had to fight them. But through all of those next several years, 
My breathing helped me manage the stress, the trauma, the pain, the anger. And um, when I came to look at myself one day, somebody said, um, they looked at me too and they said, Sister, you're looking real good nowadays. What are you doing? Mm. And I said, I'm just breathing a lot. Mm. I am working with myself with the breath. Mm -hmm. And people said, would you help me? And that's how I started working uh, in the field where um, I created a number of methods and uh, concepts and started sharing. And um, people started asking me to uh, come on radio and TV and print and breathe with them. And by then, um, in 93, when my son was killed, because I walked the streets where he was killed and tried to breathe with the young people in his neighborhood, um, I started Black Love Day. And uh, Black Love Day on February the 13th, we incorporated the concept of helping people breathe through their relationship pains and the trauma of life. And um, the Washington Post picked it up, and that is perhaps you know, how the journey towards helping other people became for me the, uh, through the adversities of watching him, I have been very blessed to have helped uh, millions and millions of people breathing with them on radio, TV, and print. Wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's an incredible, impactful, and powerful story. I apologize. It's a long story. I no. don't know how to shorten this story. No, no, it didn't need to be. Yeah, yeah. no. It that was a journey. That was a journey. Was a journey. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's what we asked. Yeah, what was your personal yeah, journey? I so you take up the whole show because it's more. But um, I try to tell the story when I do a, a public speaking mm -hmm. presentation because I do work with a lot of people who've been abused now. Uh, I work with addicted populations. I'm currently using um, work with the breath with a, uh, several new concepts. I'm certifying breathologists uh, since uh, 2004. Uh, we've been taking um, a certification program that I de developed. Uh, we now have 83 breathologists. Uh, and we're now working on a concept called transcendence breath work. Uh, because uh, transcendence breathwork takes um, some of the other previous breath techniques uh, that I learned through the Institute of Breath into a whole nother, more African-centered and heightened uh, holistic uh, breath technique where you're bringing in sound and movement and cathartic, screaming, hollering, you know, just really releasing and then connecting the breaths so that the subconscious memory can be assessed and the breath actually helps to release some of those old patterns and stuck energy. So um, I continue to do the work and now um, we see how racial healing has become a critical part 
of releasing all of that cellular memory. We're, we're literally collectively still dealing with stress and the old traumas of uh, racism in black and white communities. Mm-hmm. And the, perhaps to me, the best solution for us to be able to move forward with those issues, I believe now is for us to breathe. Yeah. Right? I, I think that, uh, it, it, I mean, you touched on so many great things mm-hmm. just in your journey, um, just the revelations and things that um, that you had. But mm-hmm. one, one thing in particular that I do want to uh, to point out um, is, you know, everything that, that you went through and, you know, I know you went through the, the clearing uh, on a cellular level. But it seems like the true healing took place when you were able to release the emotional trauma and that that um, that emotional trapped, blocked energy within the cells and within your body through breath control. That seems like, you know, when you really lift it up uh, and with that revelation of of the breath and it's just such an important part of healing when you deal with things on an emotional level. And for a lot of people, this is such a new concept. You know, they always, yes. yeah, they always address everything else except that. And, yes. and they keep going backwards. They keep sliding backwards and never quite being able to heal the way that they think they should or the way that they should. So mm-hmm. the, yes. the, the fact that your, your journey is a testament of how you can transform yourself when you grab a hold of that energy, I think is, you know, extremely powerful. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. Yeah, Jamal, you know, I think people think that emotions are just thoughts. Right. Yeah. And they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> emotions are things. Yeah. And, and they can be measured. Right. Uh, they can be seen jumping around our brain cells, you know, uh, through through cameras that show up the different colorations of different thoughts and 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 patterns. Right. Or they can be measured. And in in the awareness of quantum uh, work, quantum physics. Um, I've been really, really studying how now people have come to the reality that uh, physical illness come from emotional illness. You know, our physical uh, cellular relationship is um, detrimentally uh, uh, happened. uh, It's it's detrimentally uh, impacted. Mm-hmm. by some of the emotions that we carry. And so for me, the emotional stuck energy mm-hmm. had actually manifested in a number of physical energies. Right. And then um, I looked at, you know, my whole whole family history. My, my mother's a, a 47-year survivor of breast cancer. The husband that she was married to, my dad, um, you know, it was different dynamics I saw within them. Uh, his father had been an alcoholic. He had been abused. His sisters had been abused. He got in a relationship with my mom. He was trying to do some verbal abuse. And then she got breast cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and, and so my mom is cool and calm and collected and she's you know uh, like the foundation of our family she would sit and and just seethe (laughs) Mm -hmm. with anger 
over some of the things that would happen. And she didn't know about this abuse until late on. I, I, I was able to tell her, and, and she's very um, she's very proud of me that I stand in front of uh, groups and on the radio and talk about this abuse. But she held on to pain for so long mm. that it showed up in how her physical response turned cancerous. Yeah. And there's been lots and lots of studies about how our emotions play out in physical phenomenon. So uh, we tell people that we got to get to it to yeah. get through it. Right, right. Yeah. You, you can't stuff these emotions. You, if you got to kick, scream, holler, confront, write the stuff down, um, you know, tell someone else, uh, deal with your emotions. Mm-hmm. And as you deal with emotions, emotions are able to actually change the genetic structure. Of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's powerful work that's being done on the emotional level as it relates to the quantum level of our being able to heal and to um, use the holistic tools of thought, feeling, affirmations, visualizations, uh, the ways in which we are able to tell the mind through thought that we must change our thoughts and in changing our thoughts it helps to change the reality of how we physically show up yeah Mm -hmm. very powerful movie to look at over and over and over again is what the bleep is going on and uh, I pulled that out recently and it's um, sort of halfway through the film where they go into a whole piece about the peptides and the receptors and the genes. And that the peptides are these emotional charges that come forth that are actually a protein type plasma. And that these emotional charges that we think are just these nebulous things, right, they are actually sending a, 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 a signal that's more than just a thought signal, but it's an actual energetic physical signal to the receptors in our cells, our cells, and our cells turn on and then therefore react. And the consistent thought joining with the receptiveness of the cell creates, if it continues in a similar pattern, what's called a neural net. And this neural net then shows up as we say we're programmed to behave in a certain way mm-hmm. or that we're addicted to certain behaviors and what I was doing and didn't know what I was doing was that uh, as I did those baths and I did the affirmations and I cut off the friends and all of that with my addiction I actually broke the neural net of the uh, response yes. that I had been just walking through, you know, as if it were automatic. And it was at that point. It was automatic responses. But I broke the pattern. And so now, you know, we continue to recognize that our breathing can be a real big component of breaking those uh, automatic responses that uh, we're on automatic pilot and we just go. So, you know, we get mad, so we strike out. So mm-hmm. we use breathing for conflict resolution. Uh, we get upset 
and we want to uh, act out. But instead, if you can slow down the nervous system and breathe, you're more conscious of what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're responding. And so you slow down the reactiveness of the mind. And if you're feeling like really low and down and the cells have actually gotten familiar with that low feeling, so you breathe instead and you intervene with the low feeling, which raises up the dopamine levels in the cells and, and, and therefore that becomes the response of our activity. Mm. So many different ways that breath is used uh, from the emotional thought level. Of course, physically, uh, breath helps us to detoxify the body, which means that, you know, 70% of our breathing uh, energizes the cells and detoxifies the old uh, waste matter, the old cellular stuff, the carbon dioxide gas we don't need. So, you know, we get tremendous uh, physical detoxification, uh, but we also get the spiritual connection mm-hmm. that also lifts us up and makes us more conscious of every single movement, thought, awareness, because the very word spirit means to breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we are just moving around and not connecting with our spiritual conscious selves, there's much that will occur that we'll look back and we'll say, wow, I, you know, I really wasn't even uh, thinking that the consequences of my actions would be what showed up. Yet if we can stop and breathe deeply and fully, allowing the breath to really open up the spirit within us, then this response will be more of a spiritual response. So the work for me for breath is just, um, how can I best describe it? I I see that we have a holistic tool Mm -hmm. that's right under our noses, doesn't cost us anything. It's always available to us 24-7. It connects us with spirit, mind, and body. Uh, You know, people live from the breath. Uh, If you're hungry, you want to breathe, so you don't need to eat as much food, so people lose weight (laughs) using breath techniques. Uh, Breath enhances our sexuality when you, you know, increase the oxygen flow to the parts of the body that needs to be warmed up. Breath can also warm us up if it's extremely cold uh, there's breath techniques that will warm us up and will cool us down as well as there's breath techniques that will wake us up in the morning and help us go to sleep at night we find that this whole awareness became to me a system called breathology mm-hmm. that in 2004 we introduced as the umbrella of all the myriad of breath techniques. And we put them in an umbrella and we coined the concept. It was already there, but mm-hmm. we just used it to describe that breathology is the art and science of breath awareness, uh, breath techniques, and the mechanics of how to use the breath to be a tool. 
And I'm just really excited about uh, what's coming up in the spring. We'll be taking our fifth Power to Breath tour and certifying um, more. We have about 80 breathologists in five states. We'll be certifying, we affirm maybe three times as many breathologists because people are really waking up and seeing that this is a tool that right. is universal. Yeah, I mean, you know, it. this kind of goes to uh, that saying, you know, uh, the you know the best kept secrets are are hidden in plain sight. <laughs> right. You know. I mean, <laughs> when we when we think That's about right. yeah, when we think about it here, I mean, it, it seems when you really think about it, it actually seems pretty logical. The very thing that you need to sustain life could mm-hmm. be the very thing that you need to heal yourself mm-hmm. if you just learn how to master it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we neglect it. Everyone yeah. neglects it. You don't even think twice about breathing even though that's the only thing that you do all the time until you're about to lose it that's (laughs) when you think about it that's it that's it I say that all the time we don't think about our breathing until we can't breathe about to lose it right such a shame yeah and 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 brother Jamal you're so correct um on average we breathe 20,000 times a day Mm. wow 15 to 18 times a minute yeah and to be able to master something that we're just doing, not paying no attention to, but to begin to focus attention on our breathing and to begin to really harness this, this enormous power has become just the most um, awesome thing, <clears throat> you know, to be able to share this knowledge with people who who actually look and they say, wow, you know, I tried what you said right. and it worked just like that. Yeah. You know, my husband was catching a cold the other day and, you know, he, he lives with this, you know, so-called breathologist and I'm always telling him, well, John, you know, uh, you know, you ought to do this with your breath or do that with your breath. And he does. And he's a breathologist too. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, you know, that, that whole thing, you know, your family will suggest something to you, you know, say, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he, 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 he sat in our, um, in our library and, uh, he had the cover over his head. And I said, John, what are you doing? And he said, I go, you know what? My breathing really helped me. I didn't catch the cold. He said, I put the cover over my head and as I was breathing in and out, I could actually feel some of that toxic stuff breaking all up in my chest and in my head and, and my nose started running. And it was like, it, I pushed the, the mucus out and he said, Whoa, that really worked. He said, I feel 100% better. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just been telling you that. that you know, you, 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 know I, you hear me tell people that all the time. You know, if you're catching a cold, the first thing you should do is a cleansing breath. Right. You know, yeah. open up the epiglottis and, you know, really open up the air passages and, and do a whole lot of deep breathing. Jump in the tub with hydrogen peroxide, lots of the water, the water, you know, we breathe through the skin, we breathe through the bowels, we, um, you know, 70% is breathing through the skin and um, uh, 30% is um I'm sorry, 70% is breathing through our lungs and 30% is breathing through our skin and 3% yes. is breathing through our bowels. Mm. So if you're getting ready to catch a cold, the best thing you can do, because the cold really is what a cleansing, right? Right. Yeah, it's trying to 
help the body get rid of the junk that's making the cells get uncomfortable. So if you can cleanse the cells real quick, <laughs> you know, your, your little cleansing period will be shortened. Right. So um, get in a hot tub of water, uh, throw some hydrogen peroxide in it, which has an extra element of oxygen in it. Uh, Drink a lot of water with the oxygen in the water. Mm -hmm. Sit there and debrieve more oxygen, cleanse themselves, sweat. By now, you probably, if you eat some greens or some fruits and vegetables, you're probably going to have a good bowel movement. And... If generally you won't catch the cold, yeah. or if you catch the cold, it will be very short. Yeah, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oxygen is the key to it, and uh, the breath is the primary conductor of bringing this wonderful life force. Right, oxygen into our bodies. I mean, what you're doing here is you're really cutting through, cutting through everything. Like it, we're going past, past nutrition. We're going yes. past, you know, exercise. Yes. We're going past all of those other, you know, distractions in the sense that we're getting to the fundamental essence of your life, which is your breath. And before we consider anything else, get your breathing right. Get you your know? breathing right. Yeah. Get your breathing right. All of that's important, yes. Uh, I'll go into a health fair and, you know, I do a presentation and I, I will start off often the presentation. I'll say, everything around here is important. It really is. Yeah. The most critical thing that anybody can do in this health fair is relearn how to breathe. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's the fundamental of life. You know, we can live without the uh, food for, what, 45 days or more. We can live without water for maybe upwards to 21 days or more. But six minutes or more without the breath, we're going home to glory. Right, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) So, So we're talking about the fundamental essence of life here. Yeah. And we're talking about harnessing this powerful fundamental and beginning to use it just when we need it. So even also when we don't know <laughs> right. we're using it we're using as it. well. Yeah. If we can just be you know quasi conscious of our breathing, we will see that we will have tremendous results. If if in part of our day we are able to allow ourselves to breathe, we will actually see the difference in the way in which we show up. But I was going to say one last thing yeah. about um, Dr. Andrew Wales, um, a board-certified physician and a holistic practitioner who does integrated uh, health and yes. medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes a statement that's come from his experience with breath training. He speaks to uh, a very important point that whenever we're looking at any disorder of health, that we should look at our breathing first, mm-hmm. not last, but right. first. Yeah. And in my work as a holistic practitioner uh, and as a person who <clears throat> tries to do more like community-based um, types of uh, holistic work. I, I, you know, I do have a private practice, um, but I'm, I kind of 
I'm always on the front line of uh, watching, listening, hearing when I can share uh, health and healing, mm-hmm. no matter where I am, no right. matter what I'm doing. Um, I have actually seen that in reality. I have um, stood at the bank and waiting in line or at a grocery store waiting in line. And I have heard people's belabored breathing. Right. Yeah. And I have actually turned to them and said, you know, um, you know, how you doing? Are you all right? And the stories I get <laughs> is it's a real, real uh, wake up call to the number of people who are struggling with their breathing. Um, we learned a statistic years ago that said nine out of 10 people do not breathe efficiently. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're breathing um, from the shallowmost portion of their uh, upper chest right. compared to deep in their body, the diaphragm. And uh, so when we, um, when we developed the concept, we learned how to breathe, uh, it was in response to some of the answers that I get uh, people have expressed to me their emotional stuff they were going through, uh, the nervous tension, panic attacks, uh, stomach issues, uh, headaches, on and on and on, physically and emotionally. And uh, in some of those instances, I have actually said, you know, well, you, you, I'm, I'm a breathologist. You, you, you mind trying something? Right. People have actually stood at lines and, and they have tried to breathe deeper. And it is a blessing, mm. sister and brother, mm-hmm. to literally right in front of your eyes watch somebody take two or three deeper breaths and look at you and say, I feel better. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. But if so, when you know when you take them through a 45 minute session, yeah, you're going to have a uh, huge shift. Yeah, I mean, it's dr- tremendous shifts, mm. shifts of consciousness, shifts of physical, shifts of emotional. And uh, I have been blessed to be one of the few people of color who have been working in that arena now for a number of years. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's blessed work. Um, I do a nine-hour certification, so you know I can talk about it all day long. <laughs> yeah, which I think is is uh, is is great. It's it's needed because this is one of the things that we're not talking about, which is why we wanted to have a show on the the breath because we understand it's so important, and I think it's also good to point out because. You're talking about all of these amazing things that you can do with your breath. And one of the things that you said was whether you're conscious of it or not, you're using your breath to have an effect on your health. So a lot of people are actually using their breath, you know, to have, uh, you know, poor health in a sense, you know, because they're not managing their, their health using their breath. So if you're not using it for good then and you're having shallow breathing, then you're kind of using it against you in a sense. So it's really, so it's really like you only have one choice, either use it for, for, to better yourself or, or use it to, you know, against yourself. So, yeah, so you have to be aware of your, your breathing and at least master breathing correctly. You know, you're not going to do anything else. So, so can you do something for us, um, in terms of, of breathing? Do you think that 
you can just kind of give our listeners just a, a really basic technique that that uh, that they can do right now or that they can use to just begin to uh, use their breath for something positive um, in their life? Okay. Okay. Yes. Simply um, the technique that I think now has become my signature is relearning how to breathe. Mm -hmm. And of course, we all say that we breathe, we wouldn't be here, Mm -hmm. uh, but to breathe efficiently is what you just described. We breathe automatically and don't pay any attention to our breath, but to be conscious or mindful of every breath that we take enables us to be in the here now present, which is something that's kind of difficult in, in modern day times to be here and present and to be more conscious of a better breath or a deeper breath, mm-hmm. which is deep in the body. And so we encourage people to put their feet on the floor or the ground and we encourage you to loosen up uh, belts or uh, any tightness around the neck in addition to around the metal of our bodies. And simply sit back if you're in a chair. If you're driving, I don't recommend that you do this uh, because you'll get very relaxed and we don't want to take responsibility for that. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to take responsibility, but we don't want the <laughs> consequences and have to uh, deal with the responsibilities of that. And put one hand on your chest, right near your heart. And put the other hand right at the belly button. Take the thumb of that other hand and connect right at the belly. And take the other four fingers and shift them right below the belly like we say we're loving and hugging our bellies. And allow yourself a moment to breathe. Close your eyes. Allow the breath of life to come in and out. In and out. In and out. Feel the breath of life. The very thing that we don't pay any attention to that now allow yourself to feel the sensation of breath coming in and out of your body. Feel the breath coming in through the nose, or it could for you come in through the mouth. Whichever path of the breath, just allow it. Inhale into the space and imagine this space as a quiet space. Where with each breath, the mind, the body, just gets even more quiet. Oh, it's so good to breathe. It is safe for you to breathe. 
Allow the breath of life to come in and out. In and out. In and out. Notice the sensation of breath in your body. Does the breath seem tight around your chest? Does it seem staggered? Or is there an even flow? Notice if the breath is hot or cold. Feel the body's rhythm with the breath. Notice if the heart is slowing down. As you inhale in and exhale out, notice if your hand is going up and down in your chest with each in-breath that you take. Or if you notice the hand is going up and down, notice the tightness around your neck or your shoulders. This would mean that you're one of the nine out of ten who's breathing shallow and the breath is restricted with nowhere for the expanded lungs to expand. But instead, try to breathe deep within the body, which means as you inhale in, Try something different. Breathe into the hand on your belly. Inhale, let the belly come out. Exhale, the belly goes in. Inhale, the belly comes out. Exhale, the belly goes in. Inhale. The belly comes out. Exhale. The belly goes in. Visualize this in your mind as you breathe. Imagine your belly is like a balloon. As you inhale, the balloon begins to expand, just as your belly will expand. Opening up your lungs to its expanded girth to take in more of this wonderful life force oxygen. And as you exhale, imagine your balloon, your belly releasing, which then begins to empty the lungs and they begin to collapse somewhat. And the old, stale carbon dioxide, the air that we don't need, is beginning to come out of the body. So inhale in this elixir of life, which is the oxygen, the life force, and exhale out that which we no longer need. Inhale in and expand the belly, and exhale out, and know that what you release will open the space for more of what you need. 
and inhale in this wonderful joy that comes from giving your body what it needs and exhale out that which is no longer serving us, creating a wonderful vacuum for that which is our blessing, the essential nutrient that gives us all life. So inhale and know that this joy that we're bringing into our body will circulate and slow us down and feed us optimally with each breath that we take and exhale almost like a gentle sigh, sending this good feeling into the universe. Because when we relearn how to breathe, we create more joy, more peace, greater positive energy. And as we exhale, letting go of that which is no longer serving us, letting go of the old toxic waste so that we can bring in more of the joy than this wonderful exchange of these gases of life, the essential food, life itself. Feel that you are loving your body and taking care of your mind and elevating your spirit. Mm. So we learn how to breathe for better life, health, work, and longevity because there is power in our breathing. So on the count of three, inhale in once more and hold the breath in the belly. Let the belly really expand. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. And open the mouth slightly and just go. And slowly begin to open your eyes. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, that was, that was, that was nice. That was incredible. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Oh, we um, do thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just we so happy to, to bring attention to this. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> just to shift gears just a bit, um, when, when we talk about the breath and it, then another thing that's powerful for the body is is love, you know, the vibration mm-hmm. of, of love. And yes. uh, to my surprise, I didn't notice when I was looking at your info, you're one of the or the the uh, founder of Black Love Day. And yes. uh, we're, we're coming up on... Um, Black Love Day, February the thirteenth, right? Yes. yes. Um, you know, I, I, I've been. Well, we have been. You know, actually practicing uh, Black Love Day for probably almost twenty years. Oh, um, Yeah, didn't even. You know, so that that can. So we totally can connect. And um, there's still a lot of people out there. Uh, as long as it's been around, and um, as amazing as it is, there's still a lot of people out there that don't know about it uh can, oh, yes. yeah can you can you just take a moment to just 
talk about that a little bit and um, educate our listeners on Black Love Day who are just hearing about this for the first time? Oh, certainly, certainly, certainly. Um, Born during that period of time where there was a whole lot going on in my world as well as in the world, where I think we really needed a lot of Mm self-love. In 1993, um, I was given an inspirational vision after seeing um, the Spike Lee's version of Malcolm X, in which I saw black folks killing Malcolm. And I remember getting on a a bus, coming home, I was by myself, and it was um, right after the New Year. It was an unusually hot day in D.C., and I was sitting in the back of the bus, and sunlight was pouring in the window of the bus and I remember not being able to shut that image out of my mind Mm. that was a profound image that had actually had happened you know for me uh in some of the neighborhood experiences I'd had and um I remember asking the creator what can I do to stop the violence and increase the peace. And I heard the creator say to me in the sunlight of the bus that we needed more black love. We needed more black love. Mm. And I turned around. We were actually coming from what's called an end of the line. So it was nobody on the bus but me and the bus driver. And, and, uh, you know, I really knew that I had been touched. Uh, I felt by the hands. And the voice of God expressing to me that this need of more black love was the answer to my question, what can I do or what can we do? And I kept hearing the message over and over again, and I began to uh, say, okay, every time I was in meditation, um, I was in one of my meditation periods, I think, and uh, I remember uh, the voice just saying, you know, we need more black love, we need more black love, and because I had started the african-american holiday association by that time i said well you know it's no accident that i'm being told this maybe we need a black love day and it was almost as if as soon as i said yeah maybe we need a black love day that i stopped hearing the voice saying okay we need more black love we need Mm. more black love and then books started falling off the shelf telling me about the number 13 being a spiritual number of transformation and uh, walking down the street. This African brother, you know, he said, Sister Ayo, Sister Ayo. And I was telling him about, you know, um, you know, black love, black love. You know, I think we're going to start a black love day. And he said, you know, in Africa and Senegal and the Ivory Coast, you know, there's there's black love. There's, you know, you, you there, there's, there's things that talk about black love and he he said you know black love in in some of the traditional cultures of the motherland means unity that Mm -hmm. love is unity Mm -hmm. and that when we come together in the unity circles we come together because we're expressing love right i said oh yeah that's powerful yeah 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 and um colors and concepts and so within about 40 days, another significant number, mm-hmm. <laughs> we had our first Black Love Day. Mm. 
And um, Black Love Day, from that seed thought or that inspiration, and all of the people who shared these concepts that helped to synthesize this holy day, uh, now has gone international as the third uh, internationally celebrated holiday, or we say holy day. Yes. Of atonement and forgiveness and reconciliation and the demonstration of black love. Right. Showing five specific tenets. Uh, we call them the five loving acts of black love or the five tenets of black love. Showing love first for the creator, for ourself, our family, our black community, and the black race. Yes. And we don't just, I love you, and give little trinkets to say I love you. We actually demonstrate love throughout a 24-hour period uh, using those five principles as the guideline. And then um, after the first black love celebration, the uh, second husband, uh, struggling as he was, he made this magnificent poster in honor of Black Love Day. And um, I started writing the Black Love book, and I used his artwork for, from the poster. And while we were just sitting, I think, going over the images, he said, you know what? I'm getting the inspiration that, you know, Black Love Day shouldn't just be for black people that we should have white people doing something on Black Love Day. And I said, you know, Jabari is his name. I said, Jabari, I don't think I, I don't think that, that's not what the creator said to me. (laughs) (laughs) He said, no, no, I'm telling you, that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. And so I think I went in meditation and uh, I just prayed on it. And I began to hear the same message, that in the same 24 hours, white people needed to, exercise and demonstrate those five specific loving tenets, not only for their self, but how that connection would help them to heal through some of the trauma and racism and white uh, white supremacy stuff that they were still dealing with mm-hmm. by showing love and kindness, love and action towards black people. Yes. And so when we introduced that, I guess that was in 95, just a year before the Million Man March. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, we got some heat from the folks who was just beginning to love Black Love Day. <laughs> it's about black people. There you bringing in white folks. In there. <laughs> and I had to stand for the spiritual messages that we were receiving. And I think that because holistically I saw that since white folks actually come from black folks, mm-hmm. that in order for all of us to heal our relationships, that we had to bring that element into Black Love Day and just stand for it. And as each year Black Love Day 
uh, reinvents itself, you know. Yeah. Uh, we have had themes. We have the relationship ceremony. That has evolved with a ritual reconciliation, another inspirational message that allows us to actually cleanse and breathe through a lot of the traumas of our relationships. We have actually seen that because the Holy Day of Black Love Day being holistic, and this total approach to helping us all return to love, not a whitewashed version, not a commercialized version like Valentine's Day, but a true holistic expression of the transformative power of love. I know in my heart that that's why Black Love Day has expanded to the extent that it has. Yes. Yeah, granted, everybody doesn't know about it, but I always tell people, you know, <clears throat> Coca-Cola is still promoting itself after all these years. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a reason why you keep getting out there and you keep promoting it. Right. Somebody that doesn't know about it. Yes. But I am humble, brother and sister. I am so humble because I never in my wildest imagination would think that in 23 years, uh, we have um, the African-American Holiday Association and my, uh, this is actually my fourth husband, John, and I uh, have been invited, we, we were invited to go to come to Benin, West Africa, nice. do a ritual reconciliation at the Gate of Return. Uh, we were asked to come to Liberia, West Africa, to breathe with the uh, Liberian uh, folks who had experienced the Civil War. And in that process, we uh, taught them about breathology, but also shared with them the ritual reconciliation and the concepts of Black Love Day. And there are colleges and universities and independent black schools and um, organizations Black and white. Mm-hmm. They have black love ceremonies and gatherings and get-togethers and um, and who just honor the day. Nice. Demonstrate for the 24-hour period. So this year, our theme for Black Love Day is uh, healing the hurt, sharing the solutions to racism and prejudice. And uh, here comes Sister Stacy Dash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comment. And, uh, so we have been able to say some messages about how Miss Stacy's um, comment about, you know, let's do away with um, Black History Month, maybe have a, we should have a White History Month, you know. <laughs> You've been able to say, well, no, nah, Stacy, you don't get all that you want. But guess what? There is a place for white people coming up on February the 13th that that, that uh, might not be White History Month, <laughs> but because uh, white people get their day every day. Right. But mm-hmm. on the 13th of February, this transformative number allows us to use the transformative power of love and that white folks need to really stop a moment and deal with some of this white privileged stuff that they go through and that the people like Miss Stacy really need to look at some of the intraracial prejudices that we still harbor. Uh, we know Malcolm always said, who taught us to not like ourselves? 
it's up to us to use this day on the twenty fourth on on the thirteenth to begin the process or to complete the process of bringing us back to our wholeness. Yes, by simply spending a quality period of time. Just loving ourselves, mm-hmm. doing everything we can to just love ourselves, you know, everything we can and use those five guiding principles as a framework for us to do that. Right. It's a very powerful, powerful, transformative power that love is. Um, we know of other visionaries and revolutionaries and um, spiritually guided people who were able to see major shifts and changes in the world by harnessing the power of love. And so I'm just really blessed because I get to share messages of love. I get to share messages about the breath. And I get to really walk my walk and talk my talk. As I was able to forgive my dad, Uh, I'm 20. Three twenty-four years drug-free. Um, yes, nice. I was able mm-hmm. to attract a, a very loving, non-addictive man in my life. Mm-hmm. Now we've been together now for over fifteen years. Uh, I share with you the story of my puppy. Who <laughs> <laughs> I got to recently, uh, just I clear blue knocked on our door, uh, and we've she's come I think to us so that we can just add to our our love circle. And I'm blessed I have 19 grandchildren and um, four great-grandchildren, and I work with them. You know, Mama Ayo, Mama Ayo, Mama Ayo. I'm always (laughs) sharing the love with them. Um, Got a 91-year young mother uh, who I'm continuing to do a lot of work with her and just end up sharing love around the country around the world, and in my community through these powerful, powerful, transformative projects that the creator just, you know, says, okay, here's something next I got for you to do. Mm -hmm. And I listen and I follow to the best that I can. Yeah, thank you so much. uh, That's your Black Love Day. It's it's an opportunity that um, wherever you are, some people say, I'm going to the Black Love Day. No, if you have an event in your community, you're going to an event in honor of Black Love Day. Right. Uh, but 12 noon around the nation, we encourage people to stop and be in affirmative prayer, connect with their breathing, slow down, give thanks for the Creator's ability to move us in a new direction in our country, mm-hmm. affirm our theme that we must heal the hurt. We must get to it to get through it, to heal the hurts that we have held on for too long about the traumas of racism, white supremacy, prejudices, the police brutality, all of the ways in which our humanity divides us because of the color of our skin or the way we show up and how we look, the texture of our hair or the broadness of our nose or the language that we speak or our tribal customs around the world, how many divisions allow us to 
hurt and maim each other, fight terrible wars like the 15-year war in Liberia, you know. Mm. But how we can harness the amazing power of our love mm-hmm. to begin to let go of those hurts and pains and hopefully use the tool to breathe through it so that we can cleanse and clear and move in the direction of what the Creator would have us to do, and that is to love each other and, yes, forgive each other. We may never, never forget totally our pains. We may never totally forget what happened to us, but we can forgive and we can atone. We can uh, demonstrate a difference mm-hmm. as we reach out and change our behavior, which then gives us a spiritual lesson in at one with the Creator when we move in the direction of what is called divine grace by letting go and truly knowing that we may can't exercise revenge on those who have hurt or harmed us. But when we let go and know that the Creator is the is the decider and the force that will win our challenging battles for us. Give it up and watch how our love can actually heal the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pow- powerful words. I mean, you're yeah. doing you're doing so much. We really appreciate all of the work that uh, that you're doing. Yes. Definitely, you're definitely a blessing. Definitely. Yes. And uh, so we, much nice. Yeah, we we appreciate the Creator for using you as a divine vessel to do this work for us and to just awaken, you know, humanity as well as our our people on the power of the breath and the power of love. We really, really appreciate you and appreciate having you on our show today. It was Thank it was you. amazing. Really enjoyed it in every way. And um, for our listeners that want more and, and they want to follow you and they want to study the breath more and they want to learn more about Black Love Day and your publications and everything that you have going on, how can people stay connected to you and, and find you? Oh, I appreciate it. And and I tell people, feel free. They can pick up the phone and call me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in this day and age where we've got Twitter and we've got email and we've got uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and all these electronic ways, I actually encourage people, if they'd like, they can call me at 202-667-2577. If I can, I'll talk to you right then. If I can't, you know, we'll set up time, uh, 202-667-2577. A lot of people who are struggling with their breath and having panic attacks, uh, it's very important that uh, I've made myself available because some people have actually, their lives have been saved because they did pick up the phone mm-hmm. and they called me and we were able to help them breathe through an issue. So uh, that's first way. Uh, people can always go to uh, two websites. Uh, right now, most of the Black Love information is on the African American Holiday Association's website, which is uh, the three W's dot African American Holidays 
with an S on the end, dot O-R-G, AfricanAmericanHolidays.org. Everything you ever might want to ask about Black Love Day is on that site, mm. uh, but it's still evolving while we're in uh, this 23 years campaign. So feel free to order the Black Love book, which is um, for me, uh, the best uh, way of knowing everything you ever wanted to know, not only about Black Love Day, but it's a whole lot in that book is about love. Yes. Yes. The the transformative power, uh, the tool that love is. And we have some information in that book about breath. And um, if you want to know all about the services uh, of Positive Energy Works, which is my for-profit business, uh, but it's a still not-for-profit type of business. <laughs> we mm-hmm. give a lot of service. Yeah. Um, Positive Energy Works is that site, uh, www.positiveenergyworks.com. One E connects the positive with energy, so P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E-N-E-R-G-Y-W-O-R-K-S.com. And uh, we have services listed there. Uh, we have a number of the relaxation uh, CDs that my husband and I have created, great music to breathe by, and um, we have several DVDs and the Power of the Breath book, which is now in ebook format. And uh, there's an Applied Breathology DVD, and um, there's I've written a book for children that talks about uh, why the breath has so much power. Oh, excellent. Is yeah, definitely. Yeah. Excellent. And adults dealing with uh, asthma and, you know, just the critical importance of breathing in a story that I created that, you know, I would tell people, uh, children, um, they help them really understand the importance, the critical importance of breath compared oh, to all of our senses. And so uh, you can get all of those items uh, probably on Positive Energy Works. And then, of course, if you're interested in having us come into your community, uh, you can actually use the form there that tells how uh, we can come for the breath work with racial healing, uh the breath, uh, as it relates to laughter, yoga, we call that it's a play shop. Uh, the uh, breath and sound experience now where uh, we are offering powerful visualizations and activations for us on a mass consciousness level to shift and change and open our cellular memory so that we can collectively begin to let go of what we're told it's post-traumatic stress syndrome, which I always say is current, still <laughs> stress right. and trauma mm-hmm. and ongoing, uh, but that we can use, again, breathing techniques to uh, let go of the trauma so that we can move forward as uh, well as, um, you know, breathing for uh, having a baby, breathing to deal with the stop smoking and addiction issues, um, you know, breathing just for joy. Yeah. Breathing just to have a better breath as you relearn how to breathe. All of those um workshops and breath shops and play shops are listed on the positive energy site and um 
truly uh, I'm so thankful to be able to stretch out and talk about this issue uh, because our breathing uh, will enhance our ability to be more loving. If we're tight, restricted, stressed, traumatized, in pain, if we're able to master the breath, then we will begin to have a different love relationship for ourselves, our family, and our community. Because stress is a big, big challenge for people of African descent, but actually all people, all humanity. When you're tight and stressed, it is very, very challenging to be loving and caring, compassionate, and open to new people and to be tolerant of new experiences. And so um, I always have connected the two. Uh, Having a better breath, I believe, makes us a more joyful, loving human being. Absolutely. Definitely. So come to both websites and um, just enjoy. Great. Thank you so much. And um, and just uh, as we bring the show to a close, are there any uh, parting words that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I think I've said a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to say as much. No, it's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to say as much, but <laughs> I always do. I like to talk. Yeah. Um, I like to teach. Yeah. Mm. I like to teach. And, um, when I get an opportunity to really, really stretch out and talk about uh, the breath and talk about love and talk about positive energy, you know, I'm going to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I would like to just say in parting, that um, love yourself enough to take care of yourself. Yes. Um, find, the, find the path to maximize every single breath. Because we don't know how long we have to be here. And to maximize every single breath enables us to maximize life. And that we should really truly make this our reason to enjoy life to the fullest. Because the Creator has given each of us a gift. And as we exercise that gift we will truly, truly feel that we have lived a life worth living. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, so, well, before we go, I just want to let everyone know all the information from this podcast, all of Io's contact information, her website's information on Black Love Day, her phone number, all that information is going to be listed on our show notes page. So just go to jkhealthtribe.com forward slash IO. That's jkhealthtribe.com forward slash IO. IO is spelled A-Y-O. And you can get access to all that information. And IO, I want to say thanks again. Thank you for sharing your amazing story. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, thank you. All the information that you shared, it's, I never can get tired of hearing this information. Um, it's just so empower, empowering, encouraging, and I know it's going to change some lives to whoever who listens to this. So thanks again. 
Oh, we give thanks. There's true power in the breath, and I'm affirming that I've been able to open up just a little bit of the doorway (laughs) to that power. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome so much. God bless you both. May Allah continue to lift you both up and uh, continue to do great work. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Peace and blessings. Have a blessed Black Love Day. Thank you. You you too. too. Peace. Peace. We hope you enjoyed your time with Jamal and Kim's Inner Circle Health Tribe. To keep you on your path towards a happy, healthier lifestyle, we encourage you to visit jkhealthtribe.com for a free copy of the eight effective ways to lose weight and keep it off, as well as more content to help you find your health balance. Thanks again, and we look forward to educating, empowering, and inspiring you to live healthier.